RPN, the Roddenberry Podcast Network. Command codes verified. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secure channel. Hello, Captains. You're listening to episode 411 of Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast, and your weekly report from the Star Trek multiverse. Recorded live on Tuesday, April 30th, 2019, and available for download or streaming on Friday, May 3rd, at PriorityOnePodcast.com. I'm Elijah. I'm Anthony. And I'm Jake. Well, Kenna is off again this week, and filling in is Jake. Thanks again for joining us, Jake. Thanks for having me. All right, why don't you tell us what we've got coming up this week? This week, we're trekking out Star Trek's newest offering, and it's coming to cable television. Then we talk about CBS and Viacom reintegrating, again, what the cast of Discovery thinks about trekking nearly 1,000 years into the future, and Ira Stephen Bear's thoughts on what we've left behind. In Star Trek Online and Gaming News, we discuss the newest details for the upcoming Rise of Discovery update. Of course, as always, before we wrap up the show, we'll open hailing frequencies for your incoming messages. That's right, Captains. Remember that those hailing frequencies are always open, and we love to hear from you between episodes. So please, reach out to us. We're on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Priority One Podcast. We're on Twitter and Instagram at Priority One Pod. You can even send us an email via incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com. Captains, we have to take a moment to thank our patrons. Without their financial support, we would not be able to continue to produce the quality content that you've come to expect from week to week. With several tiers to choose from, we hope that you'll find something of value that would help sprinkle a little extra incentive to help support our show. For instance, at $5, you can join us in a private chat where we discuss all the latest headlines and news from the Star Trek multiverse and more. And at $10, you have After Hours, a completely unedited, unscripted show where we tend to rant and argue. So be sure to check us out over at patreon.com forward slash priority one. Captains, we understand that a financial contribution may not be possible, but there are other ways that you can help the show. We're looking for volunteers to join the production. Specifically, we're looking for audio editors to help clean up a segment or two, generally the ones I'm involved in. We currently have a team working hard each week, but many hands make light work. Shoot us an email to incoming at priorityonepodcast.com with audio editor in the subject line. Now let's check out all the latest news from the Star Trek multiverse. I don't know. Then let's check it out. Back in mid-February, several Hollywood trades began reporting a possible Star Trek cartoon in the works. This week, that possible cartoon has been greenlit by Nickelodeon. Kevin and Dan Hageman will pen the CG animated series, which is targeted at a younger audience, and will, quote, follow a group of lawless teens who discover a derelict Starfleet ship and use it to search for adventure, meaning, and salvation. End quote. In a press release, Kevin and Dan Hageman said, quote, 
Star Trek, Nickelodeon, and the state of animation are doing incredibly ambitious things as of late. We couldn't be more excited to jump aboard." End quote. Alex Kurtzman echoed the excitement, saying, quote, Star Trek's mission is to inspire generations of dreamers to build a brighter future. Dan and Kevin have created a story that honors its exploratory spirit in a way that's never been done before. While the Nickelodeon team blew us away with their excitement at bringing Trek to a younger generation around the world. End quote. For a link to the articles, check out the show notes. I'm excited about this. I'm not ecstatic about this. I don't love the premise of it with teenage kids finding a derelict ship. It sounds very, <laughs> very Nickelodeon, which it, it, it's not my demographic. But I'm excited that they are bringing Star Trek to children. And I really like Kevin and Dan Hageman, who did the Lego movie, and my kids love the show Troll Hunters, which is on Netflix. That brought in some pretty big stars as well. It's got Kelsey Grammer. It also has the late Anton Yelchin. It's got some pretty good stars, and the story is pretty well told overall, so I'm pretty excited that they brought somebody in that can tell a good story to kids that is also watchable for adults. I mean, not for nothing. I loved the Lego movie. The Lego movie was great. You know, again, it's cautiously optimistic. I think this is great, them reaching out to the younger audience in a way that was attempted before, but <laughs> might have missed the mark <laughs> just a bit. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about you animated series. I don't know that I like the fact that it's going to be completely CGI animated. Mm. I was kind of hoping for you know, pen and paper animation kind of thing. You know, not that not not that much of it is done on pen and paper anymore, but you know what I'm talking about? Like, yes. I hope it's not like Jimmy Neutron CGI. Which I think it may be. I mean, think Clone Wars yeah. and think Rebels. Well, maybe I can see that. I can see that. Maybe that would work, but I don't know. I kind of am along the same lines as you, Jake. I'm intrigued, but not excited. I think the part that excites me, and I hope where they're going with this, is that these kids learn how to better themselves through learning about the Federation on this ship. You know what I mean? Like, I think that's where they're going with it. When they say meaning, they're going to find meaning. So... That kind of excites me. Did they mention what time frame this sh will take place in? Not to my knowledge, no. So that's another question is, are we TOS era? Are we TNG era? Are we post TNG era? That might be interesting. Uh, you know, it seems as though they might be starting to push forward with the Picard series, with where Discovery's heading in the post-Nemesis timeframe, which, you know, could mean some good things, some fun things. And I think that's what a lot of fans have been waiting for. I'm not going to lie, though. I kind of hope that it's not too far after TNG, because then we'd be able to get some fan service by inviting back TNG voices, right? Brent Spiner can still sound like Data. In what seems to have become a yearly story, CBS Corporation's acquisition of Viacom assets have, once again, begun to heat up. While this may seem like old news, several signs point to this acquisition being more likely to succeed than previous attempts. Variety is reporting that the strongest signal of the reintegration is that on Tuesday, April 23rd, CBS called off a search for a permanent CEO, extending the contract of acting CEO Joseph Ionello from June to the end of the year. As Variety points out, quote, a big hurdle the last time around was a dispute over the management configuration for the combined company. With former CBS CEO Les Moonves out of the picture, those concerns are seen as less of an issue. It is believed that Viacom president CEO Bob Backish is in the pole position to lead the combined entity, end quote. Backish, appearing at the Milken Institute Global Conference, responded saying, quote, at the end of the year, you're either going to be talking to me or somebody else, end quote. 
It's also worth noting that Nickelodeon, CBS's partner in the newly announced CG animated Star Trek series discussed in our first story, is owned by Viacom. The biggest thing that I think this might affect is that, you know, there's been a lot of talk about this Quentin Tarantino Star Trek movie coming out. I think if this merger happens, I'm wondering if they will just put Alex Kurtzman in charge of all of Star Trek, including the films. In which case, what does that mean for that, you know, in development project? Or even for Star Trek Four? So I assume that to be the case. And I think your or anyone's reaction to that would be, do you like Alex Kurtzman in charge of Star Trek or don't you? I think that they will put someone in charge of all of Star Trek because that only makes sense. It works for Marvel. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, yeah. But Marvel also has, you know, other people surrounding this person (laughs) with good ideas and with people who have watched previous incarnations of Star Trek and know that nanite technology in green is really reminiscent of the Borg. But, you know, we haven't, <laughs> I digress. To interrupt you, we haven't seen the Picard series yet. Let's give Picard series a chance. Right, right, right. The other thing is that, you know, I, I think that CBS television is certainly doing some interesting things and, and pushing the envelope and exploring and experimenting and breaking records, sure, where Paramount is creating a <laughs> little blue abominations that run really fast. I think the biggest flaw in this is putting a Paramount CEO in charge of all of it. Yep. If Joseph Ionella was doing a good job at CBS, which is the higher performing company, keep him in charge. Star Trek Discovery's move to the distant future in Such Sweet Sorrow Part 2 has seemingly divided the fan base. Some are happy to move the story hundreds of years after Voyager's voyage home, while others are unsure about leaving behind two years' worth of stories. The cast of Discovery, however, are expressing their unabashed excitement. In the latest Moments of Discovery YouTube video, the cast, led by Sonequa Martin-Green, talked about what they thought of moving the series into the far future. Martin-Green said, to go boldly where no Star Trek has ever gone before, but to still have the connective tissue to the canon. I think that's genius. Anything could happen. What is this future we're going to? Saru actor Doug Jones agreed with his co-star saying, For us to jump ahead of Next Generation, Deep Space Nine, Voyager, it's like, I can breathe now because we don't have to worry about rules and regulations. It's like now we can create without consequence. Anthony Rapp expands on Jones' thoughts. And I think that gives our writers and our designers and our creative team incredible freedom now to really do anything new. Are we going to see some of the familiar species we haven't seen before? Or are we going to continue to see new species? What state is the Federation in? What's going on with Starfleet? For a link to the video, check out the show notes. With the highly anticipated release of Star Trek Deep Space Nine documentary, What We Left Behind, on May 13th in select theaters across the US, the team has started publicly pushing the behind the scenes retrospective of Star Trek's third series. This week, a look into the writer's room for the hypothetical eighth season premiere of Deep Space Nine, along with animation of the action, was released. Iris Stephen Bear sat down with io9 to talk about the process involved with getting the ambitious project off the ground, among other things. Bear was asked about his perspective on Deep Space Nine when the documentary started filming, saying, quote, I'd never done a documentary before. I never thought of doing a documentary before. I hadn't thought of Deep Space Nine as a thing for a very long time. 
I mean, DS9 to me was all about, at this point, the people. Jeff Combs and Wolfie, and the people who I was friends with. Nana, Armin, it was people. The show was not something that was in my life, end quote. In discussing the 15 minutes of high-definition DS9 footage in the to-be-released documentary, and the possibility of a full DS9 HD release, quote, we have, I don't know how many hours of HD footage of Deep Space Nine. Now, most of it is outtakes that weren't used, but it's fantastic. And we could sit there for hours and just look at Deep Space Nine in HD. We'd need to add the special effects and blah, 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 but it's still fantastic. I wish there was a way to share that. And until there is, I don't know. I have no control over CBS, end quote. The full interview is very free-flowing with tons of insight and includes video for the Writer's Room animation preview, so be sure to check it out. Did you guys watch the video? I did not have a chance to because I'm also saving it for the actual documentary because I bought tickets for it. That makes sense. Anthony? I actually chose not to watch it because I wanted to save it for, for the movie. Okay, so as the sole person who has watched the video, it is really choppy. The animation is not... It's not something you'd expect in a feature-length film, but it is really cool. And I cannot wait to see this documentary. It looks really awesome. I'm very excited to see it. I, you know, Deep Space Nine is one of my favorite Star Trek shows and was my favorite for a long time. And I, it's one of the shows, too, that I, I dived behind the scenes early on and wanted to learn more about the creative team and the process. So I can't wait to learn more about them and what happened behind the scenes and and what an eighth season might look like. When is the Phantom events? It's May 13th. May 13th. 13th. Before we wrap up the news from the Star Trek multiverse this week, it's time for a community question. Will you be watching the newly announced Nickelodeon Star Trek CG animated series? What do you think of the premise so far? Let us know in the comments section for this episode at priorityonepodcast.com forward slash PO411 or by replying to our social media community question posts. Well, Captains, that's it for this week's Trek It Out. Now let's find out what's happening in the world of Star Trek gaming. Computer, status report. Status. Incoming message. I'm only in the mood for good news today. Captains, we are pleased to announce that Admiral Cat of the Priority One Armada will now be joining us weekly to review all the latest news from Star Trek Online. Cat. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Elijah. I'm happy to be here. All right, why don't we jump right into the news, shall we? The short-lived occupation of Pryor's world has become a beacon of possibility to the members of Starfleet. As experienced in the featured TFO, Operation Repost, the first major victory for the Federation has given Starfleet a chance to build a bridge. When Rise of Discovery launches Tuesday, May 14th, the story will take us back to Pryor's world to assist the USS Baran, along with Commander Landry and Captain Lorca. In cleanup operations, the plausibility of the possible is the first of two new story missions set to continue the Age of Discovery storyline. So how excited are we that Jason Isaacs is joining the voiceover talent for Star Trek Online? I'm so happy that this was the first story for Kat because I know how big of a, <laughs> of a Captain Lorca fan she is. So tell us, Kat. Tell us. I mean, I could squee a whole lot. I'm so excited. I couldn't even believe that they, J- they got Jason Isaacs to do voiceover. I'm, yeah, this might be my new favorite mission, even though it hasn't even happened yet. Now, but this is a TFO, right? This is not an actual story mission, so to speak. 
No, as a matter of fact, it is two new story missions that will take place in 2256 after the Discovery new character tutorial. Yeah, new, brand new mission. So it's continuing the Age of Discovery, you know, the whole new storyline missions that we have. So chronologically speaking, these two missions actually take place before the mission with the Glen that brings the discover- your Discovery character forward in time. That sounds right. I'm still kind of confused with the way that's working because, you know, they did say that this was prime Lorca, right? So, I mean, I'm excited to see that. Um, so we might get to see both prime Lorca and Mira Lorca depending on the destruction, the timing of the destruction of the Barand. So I'm not sure which way they're going to go <laughs> with this, but then, you know, I think they're going to introduce prime Lorca first with this new story mission. Speaking of the Barand, with the new commanded Dreadnought Cruiser arriving in the Zen store, Mike Ambassador Cal Fatum hosted lead ship and UI artist Thomas Maroney and concept artist Hector Ortiz on the weekly 10 Forward live stream to talk about designing the new ships. After that, Ambassador Kel spoke with lead systems designer Jeremy Bordicus Randall to talk about the ship layout and some of the feedback from the players. So I purchased the ship and took advantage of the sale. I did not get the Klingon ship. I was not... I, I, I don't fly Klingon ships enough to, or even jump on the character enough to justify the purchase. So I got the Baran and I got the Cardenas class. You know, off the bat, I mean, yes, it's a gorgeous ship and I'm really excited. I, I have a thing for for ships that look similar to the multi-vector, right? I just like that, th- those sharp lines, the four nacelles, the hole isn't as pointed as or as oblong as I might like it. Uh, but I'm still excited to get into this, uh, to play the ship. I haven't had much of a chance to fly it yet and take it out for a test run. The only thing that caught my attention was, as opposed to my previous ship, which had five forward weapons, this only has four forward weapons, and I lost a tactical console. Um, so I can't have the boost to phaser damage or anti-proton or whatever your your energy type might be, uh, choice might be. So that, that, those were my first impressions. Yeah, Jeremy spoke about how some people were disappointed with the tactical bridge station layout. And he did reiterate that this is meant to be a more resilient, tanky ship. So it's going to have a lot more survivability mechanics built into it with the trait, with the console, and with the bridge officer layout. So I think that... If you like heavy cruisers, this is pretty much Discovery's heavy dreadnought cruiser. Like, if you want something that's going to last long in a fight, it's going to take the attention of the enemies so, you know, the other faster, more powerful ships can do the damage. This is probably what you're going to want to get into. Um, and you're absolutely right. The look of the ship is is fantastic. I love this whole style of, of 25th century ships that, that they're coming out with. And I, I love the updates to the Discovery versions, like we saw with the Gagarin and now with the Baran. And Kat, you actually got this ship as well. I bought the pack, yeah, because, you know, I can't resist because I do love uh, my Klingon ships. Although this Klingon ship is a little unique looking, but mainly, and I don't actually enjoy flying the tanky, you know, cruiser type, so I prefer escorts, but I was interested in the console, which is an electrical damage console, so I wanted to pick that up and try that out on a different ship, so I did that. What are you planning with that build, with that console? 
Well, I've been working on an electrical damage build. Uh, it's still in the work, so but so far it seems to be working out very nicely. Now, what's the benefit of electrical damage? I mean, there's not too much um, defense against that so far that I've seen. So, you know, it. I just like it disables and I, I run a lot of science builds. So I want to strip the shields, disable that ship and take it out with some torpedoes. What other consoles or abilities are you using to enhance that electrical damage? Well, you know, the Shran comes with a nice, The um, it has an electrical damage console and the experimental weapon is also an electrical damage weapon. So I've been using a Shran and running high electrical damage on that, and it's pretty fun. I had the opportunity of sitting down and chatting with uh, Hector Ortiz uh, along with Kenna while we were there at um, Cryptic Studios, and I mean, he is a talented, talented artist, and he will print out the concept art that he makes for these ships. When he showed me the Gagarin, oh my god, that was such a beautiful ship. Such a beautiful ship. That is a good-looking ship. And printed on like a high glossy paper he was show you know because he has to print it and show it in meetings and whatnot and he tweeted the concept art that he did for the baran and cardenas class just stunning stunning hector does just amazing work it was great to hear him on the 10 forward weekly show talk about his design process a little bit from the assets they get from the discovery ship and then how he extrapolates and starts to to go beyond that for the 25th century stow design and it was really interesting to hear some of his takes on you know where certain elements meet like the split nacelles meet you know he he wants something to be interesting there. Another thing was the way that the notch in the front of the saucer section was cut out and how that differed from the Cardenas class. It was it was really great. If anybody has a chance to go watch that video, we we have a link to it in the show notes. What, what ship are you guys coming from to fly this one? What are you what are you leaving behind? I love the look of it, but I just got the oper- the discovery operations pack and I haven't I haven't used all of the ships in that pack yet. I did not jump on the purchase of this one yet, but I I probably will eventually get it and probably make a new character for it. Oh, well, I didn't. I just kind of scavenged it and been flying my escort. (laughs) And that brings us to another community question this week. Do you plan on purchasing either of these new ships? If so, what type of build are you planning to run? Moving on to patch notes this week. In the PC patch notes, they resolved an issue that prevented Romulan, Dominion, Discovery, or TOS engineer characters from completing the Hologram Master Accolade in the mission Facility 4028. Also, several items have been added to the Phoenix Prize Packs. For Epics, the Vorgon Rydogon Carrier, the Breen Plesh Trail Raider, the Bajoran Interceptor, under very rare Voth Phase Decoy Console, the Bozeman Engines, the Sompek Pulse Wave Ground Weapon, and the Mirror Universe Phaser Dual Pistols. Under the rares, you can now exchange tokens for the Neil Falconer Duty Officer, the Phoenix Replica Admiralty Ship, the Assimilated Assault Cruiser Admiralty Ship, the ISS Stadi Admiralty Ship, and under Uncommon, you can now get the Starship Emote Packs for Thumbs Up and Thumbs Down. Down, Smile and Sad, Rock, Paper and Scissors, and Live Long and Prosper. There were no new items added to the ultra-rare slots. For a link to the full list of patch notes, check out the show notes. 
And for events, it's another junior officer weekend and duty officer assignments will grant you 50% more commendation XP upon completion. Duty officer packs purchased in the Zen store will have an additional green quality duty officer in them and the Academy particle scanning event is also back. After speaking with Professor Mayer or Batama in your respective academies, capture particles and train cadets. The more particles you scan, the better quality of officer you can claim. Also in the Zen store, duty officer packs will be 20% off and will also provide either 10 lobi crystals or a special requisition choice pack. That's right, it's another infinity duty officer promotion this weekend. This and the junior officer weekend will last from now until May 6th. Also this weekend, you can get Phoenix prize packs. Visit your favorite Ferengi vendor, either on Deep Space Nine or Drazana Station for a free Phoenix prize pack once daily. And starting May 9th through May 13th is an item upgrade weekend. Moving on to console events. This weekend is a Zinkethi Red Alert weekend from now until May 6th. Next weekend is a bonus marks weekend from May 9th to May 13th. Also starting on May 9th is the featured TFO, Peril Over Pavo, and it will run for three weeks. And scheduled from May 16th to May 20th is a Borg Red Alert weekend. That's it for this week in gaming news. Now let's open hailing frequencies and see what's incoming. Message coming in, sir. Hailing frequencies. Open. See, we are getting to know each other. Well, Captains, hailing frequencies are now open, and we're ready to receive all of your incoming messages. Episode 410's community question was forgotten. Not unlike Discovery. But as always, our listeners kept the hailing frequencies open. From PriorityOnePodcast.com, Jim Walsh had a lot to say, and he starts with, Great podcast, and enjoyed the latest episode. Now that Discovery can no longer be mentioned, can we please cancel the show and replace it with a Captain Pike series? After two seasons, I had more feels for Captain Pike and Number One than any of the Disco crew. Given that they are just plot elements for Burnham's story, this speaks volumes about how I've bonded with Discovery as Star Trek. So Jim, just like the latest season of Star Trek Discovery explained to you, they don't have to be mutually exclusive. Faith and science can coexist, as can a Pike series and Star Trek Discovery. Jim Walsh wasn't done there. He did add... I love the look of the Constitution Bridge and general interior of the Enterprise, and I have no issue with any of the retconned approach to redesigns in any of the post-TOS TV series or movies. If Gene Roddenberry had had access to special effects tech that the people currently creating Trek have, you can bet he would have probably had out-Abramsed JJ and out-Kurtzmaned Alex in terms of look and feel. Yeah, I actually agree with this. I I think that if... You know, it's funny, when those DOT-7s came out, I thought that was a little, you know, a little funny. But then it it occurred to me, you know, if... What's a DOT-7? It's the R2-D2. Yeah, the BB-7's on the... Oh, right, yeah. If Gene Roddenberry had had access to the budget and the technology to do that, he probably would have done that. Because it seems like a very, like, cool technology thing that that humanity built these little robots to go out and fix the ship. So the more I thought of it, the more I was like, okay, I could get behind this. The other thing is, yes, a Pike show. I don't who what Star Trek fan wouldn't want a Pike show with Spock and Pike on the Enterprise with number 1. I mean, that just that just needs to happen. Like a you know, a, even a even a, a mini series or something, it just needs to happen. And as far as discovery in general, I I feel like a lot of people assign whatever the end of the season is 
to the whole the, the whole show, but the show's really about the journey over time. It's not about the one part of the ending. I find that's what I enjoy the most. Even in Battlestar Galactica, it's about the journey because the ending eh, was kind of weak. My question I want to ask you is, do you believe that Gene Roddenberry would have sacrificed story for cheap thrills and spectacle? Did you see did you did you see the motion picture? <laughs> uh, I yes. just I'm just I'm just, I, I'm just kidding. I no, I think you, I think that's a great point, Jake, because that movie is 80% thrills and special effects and what we can do and 20% a rehash of a TOS episode. Have you seen The Changeling? The TOS episode, The Changeling. I'm just throwing that out there. Because it's literally the same plot as the motion picture, but with less special effects. From PriorityOnePodcast.com, Sean Newboy says, Wonderful show, everybody. I just can't believe who died last night on Game of Thrones. Oh, wait, wrong show. My bad. Well, Captains, that's the 411 on This Week in the News from the Star Trek Multiverse. For more great podcasts like Mission Log and Mission Log Live, Women at Warp, and The Trek Files, visit podcasts.roddenberry.com. But we can't forget to send a special thanks to our Patreon supporters. Diana Gunther, Darnell Dwayne Ross, David K. Rutley, Joshua Selig, and Peter Archibald. Also, here's a reminder of our community questions this week. Will you be watching the newly announced Nickelodeon Star Trek CG animated series? What do you think of the premise? And in Star Trek Online, do you plan on purchasing either of the new ships? If so, what type of build are you planning to run? Captains, you know we love hearing from you. Leave us a comment on our website at PriorityOnePodcast.com, on our Facebook page at Facebook.com forward slash PriorityOnePodcast, or find us on Twitter and Instagram at PriorityOnePod. Don't miss a thing from the Star Trek multiverse. Catch our episodes every Friday by pointing your favorite podcast app to feeds.priorityonepodcast.com. You can even join in on the fun while we record our episodes live on Tuesday nights at around 11.30 p.m. Eastern on Facebook, Twitch, YouTube, and Twitter. Keep an eye on our social media channels for details. And if that wasn't enough, be sure to spend time with Admiral Winters and the Priority One Armada. Saturday nights, the Armada broadcasts live to review the latest Star Trek Online and Armada news, as well as spotlight some of the amazing members in our community. Each week, we team up with you to earn things like reputation marks and Delithium. With the regular giveaways, there's something for all Star Trek Online players, new and old. Follow us on our social media accounts for broadcast times. And if you'd like to join the Armada, visit PriorityOneArmada.com. This episode of Priority One Podcast is brought to you by our patrons through Patreon.com. Find out more and add your support at Patreon.com forward slash Priority One. Even if you can't make a financial contribution, please help spread the word about the show and invite your fellow Trekkies. It's your support that keeps us going. Don't forget to tune in to Priority One Productions' Guard Frequency Podcast at GuardFrequency.com. Each episode, the Guard will take you inside the universe of your favorite space sims, including a tabletop adventure played out by your hosts. And Heroes Rise brings you up to date with the world of Dungeons and Dragons. Learn all about the latest publications, tools, tips, tricks, and traps in less time than it takes to skin a wyvern. Head over to HeroesRisePodcast.com to discover their secrets. Thanks to our audio editors, including Brandon Parker, James Golding, Rand Hurl, Daniel Stevens, Winters, and Skiffy. And thank you, Jake, 
for not only assisting and producing the show, but for joining us while Kenna is away for these, uh, for these two weeks. Thanks for having me. It's been great. Thanks to our graphic artist and web designer, Henry Pomper, with support from Jason Smith of the Priority One Armada. Thanks to the composer of our theme music, Chris Watts. Thanks to our syndication partners, Subspace Radio and Trek Radio. But most importantly, a big thanks to you, the Star Trek community, our listeners. Because without your ongoing support, none of this would be possible. Enemy ship on sensors. Red alert. Shields up. Su no. Engage. forget to tune in to priority one podcasts guard frequency podcast don't forget what kind of podcast Pard- it's a pur- guard frequencies pard- it's a good podcast <laughs> podcast.roddenberry.com the roddenberry podcast network